Hello, friends. I am Rob, creator of An Honest Wizard, and as I do every 10 episodes, I throw out a bonus episode. We're at 110, so here I am. And, uh, yeah, it's been an interesting time, but we are actually at the last first level spell through all the classes here at 110. So, obviously, next we'll be going on to second-level spells, which is, which is great. We can start talking about spells with a bit more complexity. And uh, you know, the uses or the drawbacks of which can be very interesting to explore. But uh, I just wanted to talk at this point about uh, something that seems to kind of be a bit more absent these days. You see, I come from... Uh, older styles of play. Uh, I'm not saying I'm as old school as they come. I'm, I'm not that old, honestly. But uh, I have played in some of the earlier versions of Dungeons & Dragons with different play styles than today's more narrative, wide-open gameplay. I played in games where you know resources were really tight and you were basically expected to survive on your own personal cleverness, not necessarily how your stats aligned or, you know, you, you, you had to sometimes look past the statistics to figure out what your character would be best served doing in a given situation. And uh, a, a good deal of creativity was employed uh, because everything wasn't spelled out and, and, and diced up and labeled and, and sorted out so that you knew instantly what your character can do for almost any situation. There's a lot of gray areas. And uh, another thing, you know, we learned from playing back then and often on a stack of dead and broken characters was uh, an important lesson in dungeon survival was budgeting. For instance, if you played a wizard back in the day, you would go along with the group, you would stay nestled into the center of the group, hopefully, protected by armor-wearing warriors and maybe a cleric to fall back on before enemies would get into your face and murder you. As a wizard, you had at most six hit points, no armor, and your prospects weren't looking very good. You had one first-level spell. That was it. Just one. And when you cast it, you were functionally useless to the party. You were a casualty waiting to happen. Uh, clerics, in the earlier days when I played uh, the basic Dungeons & Dragons game, uh, clerics at first level didn't even have spells. You had to get up to second level to earn the right to cast spells. And when you did, oh, that healing spell was so nice. It may, it justified everything else you did. But it's interesting, because as we go along, and we, we look at the later versions of the game, it started really in 3rd edition. But people who only have experience in Dungeons & Dragons from 3rd edition on... Um, would be a little fat flabbergasted with such limitations to what you can do. In 5th edition, for instance, a... Uh, let's go with a wizard. A wizard starting out, fresh out of wizard school or apprenticeship, 
Uh, starts out with three cantrips and two first-level spell slots and a smattering of spells in their spell book. So already you can cast two spells at first level. So it's twice as many as the advanced Dungeons and Dragons wizard could cast. You have three cantrips, which you can cast over and over and over again. Almost every starting wizard starts out with some attacking cantrip. Popular, certainly, would be Firebolt, one of the, the more effective attacking cantrips. Not only does it do more damage and have better range than any of the others, but it satisfies your pyromaniac itch, being able to set things on fire from a distance. So uh, it's a great spell, certainly. Very, very solid. Uh, some of the other attacking spells keep you offensive when you need to be. And almost all of them are ranged, so you know you can still be in that coveted position in the back of the party, protected by all of your warriors and everything. With cantrips, the need to budget has all but vanished. Yes, it's still a good idea to save a, one of your more powerful spells just in case something comes up, but the absolute need for it is pretty much gone. It's a lot different from having, say, your one sleep spell. Sleep was, in my mind, the best uh, spell for uh, first edition, AD&D, etc., etc., and it's still a very good choice in 5th edition, quite honestly. Uh, on, it, it would definitely be one that any, I would take with a wizard. But you cast that spell, and then you're done. You are stuck throwing daggers. If things get really bad, swinging with a staff or something. But throwing daggers is basically all you're good for at that point. And, oh yes, back in the day, dexterity did not give you a bonus to damage. So you were doing your 1 to 3 or 1 to 4 damage, depending on the size of what you hit. Um, large creatures had different die codes. You were doing only 1 to 3 points of damage. That was humbling. But it was important because that's how you kind of learned how to budget. You saved up that one spell for the time you needed it. You might also learn that it's foolish to die with your spells still uncast. So if things were getting really bad, you still cast that spell. You just have to remember that you're then very, very vulnerable. Now, why do people put up with that? Well, the trade-off is immense. If you can get a magic user to level up a few times and start getting spells, all of a sudden the rest of the group finds their encounters much easier, as long as they can keep the wizard out of trouble. Well, you're being overwhelmed by a horde. The wizard has fireball. The horde is gone. It's that simple, really. The trade-off for all of the work that you do in keeping the vulnerable characters intact is they make your job easier down the road. To the point, in some cases, of completely uh, obsoleting your character. Your character who is so important, your fighter, was so important at first level, second level, third level, keeping everyone safe, should you actually get up to 9th, 10th, 11th level? You're going to have to start asking the wizards to hold back on the pyrotechnics so that you can get in a couple good blows with your swords when they really want to start you know, flaming encounters on you. Yes, you can take on tougher and tougher things, but the magic supersedes a lot of those other classes quite quickly. 
about the time you get to fifth level, honestly, you start throwing a fireball. That's a lot of when the the balance point tips. Your fighter by this time in fifth edition can now attack two opponents in a round. Maybe three if they go two-handed route, certainly. But your wizard suddenly can cook everybody in a 20-foot sphere. In a dungeon setting or an encounter setting, a lot of times your enemies will be grouped together and they will be fireball bait. That's how these things work. Also, the wizard casting that spell is no longer just out of spell power. They have plenty of other spells to fall back on and cantrips if those are gone. So, the need to budget has been kind of chipped away at strongly. 3rd edition kind of covered this by giving you a great number of spells that you get as a bonus as your, uh, as your primary attribute went up. So you could actually be covered with a large number of spells. Budgeting was a little more important, but it was actually far more important to uh, you know, get your statistics jacked up as quickly as you could so that you get all those sweet, sweet bonus magics. Um, but honestly, budgeting and appreciating what you can do with first-level spells was an entry point into gaming that I'm kind of afraid a lot of people have lost. This is really evident when I'm running games for younger folk. A lot of them just kind of accept that their magic is there when they need to make a good push for something, but it's not something to be necessarily protected. It's something to be used and exploited so you can look cool right now and hope that you can take a rest or something so that you can get your magics back. And spellcasters are often going to be pushing the party to stop so they can get their spells back. And woe be to the caster who blows all their spells and the rest of the group is like, um, we're not even tired yet. We're not going to take a rest so that you can get your magics back. You shouldn't have blown them all. That is a learning situation. Do a lot of people learn from that? Not as many as they used to be. Again, back in the day, you would learn on a stack of broken and dead characters these lessons that, that would stick with you and have stuck with us for those of us who lived through that time period. And these days, as I run my games, I run a more narrative style. I don't punish players for, for not holding on to a spell here and there, but if you're out of it, you're out of it, and you'll have to think of something else to do. I like to think that my games are friendly enough that there's always something else that you can do. No time is anybody completely bereft of options. But still, there are a lot of strengths in budgeting and appreciating those low-level spells and what they can do, and not always throwing the most powerful spell you have when you have a perfectly acceptable tool at a lower level that can still influence the game. In some cases influence the game in even a greater way than a more powerful spell might. I've been talking over all of these different spells about how some of them can be useful on up through the different levels, maybe by casting them at a higher level or giving you an advantage that you just can't get any other way. It's important to know, because in 1st edition, we explored the different ranges of what could be accomplished and what could be done with some of those earliest spells to try to get as much use out of them as possible. That's an art that's kind of lost again. This questioning and questing for alternate uses for spells and magics 
to give you a little bit more of an advantage or to get past a, a hard obstacle that, well, with a little bit of ingenuity and cleverness and a permissive DM, uh, you might be able to accomplish with, uh, you know, a, an alternate use of a spell that in the book has a very clear purpose, but with a little bit of logic and adaption, you know, could come through for you in a way that uh, you wouldn't normally get from just reading the description of the book. So that's my thoughts on uh, the evolution of magic and the appreciation for first-level spells. Uh, I, you know, honestly, I don't play games where everybody starts at a higher level. I know that that's a thing for some people. They like their heroes to be a bit more experienced than first level. And I can appreciate that idea, but in my mind, you really forge group bonds and a connection to the character when you go through the struggles of when you're vulnerable when you have to rely on everybody else to get you by. And that one person that you take extra pains to protect, taking an extra blow, and really you would like to retreat back to the group, but you have to hold out to protect those who are more vulnerable, who will hopefully evolve into powerful casters who will make the enemies you will ultimately you know, fight as you advance that much easier and beatable. So these are all things to consider, and, and I, I do like to think on them from time to time. Uh, with the scope of my experience, it is nice to be able to appreciate this, this time and the way people play and sometimes try to talk about other ways and see if, if other people are, are ever interested in trying that sort of thing. And I've considered myself actually running a... Uh, a back me uh, game of D&D at my local hobby shop for, for newcomers to try some of the older styles of games and see if they like them. Uh, it, who knows? Might one of you converts along the way. So, thank you for listening to me. This has been the bonus episode for episode 110, uh, my 11th bonus, and uh, we will be moving forward into the second level of spells. So, Thank you for those of you who have been following along. I promise more content every day. A new spell until we finally run through all of the spells. That's a long ways in the future. So thank you very much and love you all. I am Rob and I bid you farewell. <laughs>